0: I want to continue to preach into your ears this month on the topic of make room. Amen. We have to make a conscious decision to make room for God in our life. It, it's not something that just happens, it's not something that, that goes without us making a significant decision. Luke chapter 2, verse 7 says, And she brought for, forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Bump your neighbor, say, make room, room. and you can be seated. Praise God. There was no room in the inn. Now, if you ever saw a Christmas play, most of the time you'll see that there'll be a little kid dressed as a sheep, and a little kid uh, dressed as a donkey, and and then the innkeeper will be there, and, and the there is a, uh, we have derived that the innkeeper told them there was no room, uh, uh, but, but on the exact same side, some of that is, 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 is kind of reading between the lines, but what we do know is Jesus was born in some type of a stable, uh, in uh, what could have been a, a hewn-out uh, place of a rock where, where they could uh, put their animals under. And then Jesus was laid in a manger whenever He was born. Now, he- here's the thing I want you to, to kind of gravitate with. Uh, Jesus was born in a stable or outside, and it's not because Mary chose a home or a barn birth over a hospital birth, Okay. She was not choosing that. Now, she could have if she wanted to, but she wanted to be inside, or it wouldn't have referenced that there was no room in the inn. Joseph took them to the Holiday Inn Express, and there was no room at the Holiday Inn Express. So they looked, and I don't know, we don't know if the Holiday Inn Express person says, well, hey, come back here, I got a stable, you can have the baby in, or if they just walked, and, and, and all of a sudden, it was time, and there was no turning back, and Joseph said, well, there's a barn, let's dive in there and we can have the baby you can have the baby in there and it happened, but there was no way, shape, form, or fashion that Mary would have picked uh having a baby, having the king of all kings in a barn. It would be like today Somebody being pregnant and going to the hospital. There's no room in the hospital. Going to the hotel. There's no room at the hotel. And driving or walking down the road and finally going, Man, I've just got to do something. I've got to have this baby somewhere out of the wind. I've got to have this baby somewhere uh, out of the elements. And stopping and having the baby under an overpass or something. In other words, it wasn't a clean place. Uh, I, I grew up in, in East Texas where like... Like, I'm familiar with barns. One, I had several jobs growing up. One of my jobs was to, to clean. I worked at a, a horse farm, and it was my job every day to, to clean out what the horses had left for me out of their little stables. And I, I was good at it. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. I was phenomenal at it. And, and I would pick it up and I would scoop it and I'd put it in the bucket I'd t- or, the, or the wheelbarrow. I'd take the wheelbarrow and I'd go put it in the big pile where it was supposed to go. And, and, and the whole barn, and this was like a high class, really nice place. It was race horses, so they had to know everything about these horses and everything had to be just first class. But it was still a barn. It was still, that horse didn't have any cooth, if you will. That horse didn't care, the, the con, the, 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 that particular barn, it was concrete in a lot of places, and then it had these uh, rubber mats in other places. And if that horse decided to go on that rubber mat, I don't know, just picture taking a five-gallon bucket of water and dumping it on a rubber mat. It splashes is what I'm trying to tell you. The barn was clean as it could be, but it was still a barn. It was still a messy place. And I imagine Joseph ran into that barn and, and Mary's sitting there. Oh, Joe, Joe, we got no more time. And Joe's like, just give me a minute, Mary. Goodness, we're in a barn. Let me get this place swept up. Number one, if you're taking notes, Jesus is not intimidated by the mess of your situation. The first place he showed up on the scene was a place that is known to be messy. Jesus is not sitting on the sidelines saying, "As soon as you get your mess cleaned up, then I'll move on your behalf." Exactly the opposite. He's saying, hey, "It's almost like uh, uh, you know uh, a player." Have you ever seen? And, and I coach uh, my son's sports, and and so. Anytime that that, that there's a game going on, he just wants to be in the game. Like it doesn't matter what the game is, he wants to be in the game. And there's other kids like that too, that want to be in the game. So I'll be sitting there coaching and, and, and maybe it's like the third inning or something and they got these rules where you got to rotate the kids in and out. So, so the, the, the kids will come up and say, can, can I play now, can I play now, can I play now? And it's kind of like what the Lord is about in your life. He's sitting there and if you've got him on the sideline, he just wants to be in the game. Because he's not looking at your thing going, oh, I hope they win. He's sitting there going, I want to be the victory in your life. I want to be the answer in your life. I'm the way, the truth, and I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You can't do anything on your own. But through me, you can do all things. Put me in the game see, he's not not intimidated by your mess at all. Verse 8, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. So Mary has the baby, wraps him in swaddling clothes, uh, just different uh, pieces of cloth, lays him in a manger, which is a feed trough. And there were in the same country shepherds, which just means close by, uh, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel... Uh, which is the twin angel of flow, So lo, the angel, just kidding. And lo, the angel of the Lord came unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, shone about them, and they were sore afraid. So the angel shows up. The, the shepherds are out uh, tending their flock by night. So when you're a shepherd, and, and Jesus called the good shepherd, when you're a shepherd, especially in those days, they didn't have like barbed wire fence like we have it. So if you are going to keep your flock safe from the predators and keep your flock from uh, uh, dispersing and, and getting confused, then the shepherd had to stay with the sheep. If you ever wonder where Jesus is in your worst moment, he is closer than your next heartbeat. He is the good shepherd that even in the midnight hour will be found with his sheep. So the shepherds are out there, and they're watching over their flock by night, and all of a sudden an angel shows up. Can I just say this? The shepherds were going about their job. And I would even say they had a secular job. I hear this sometimes christians uh, and 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 i 'm not mad at anybody that says it, but it's just man i 'm so sick of the secular world the uh, uh, secular this and, and it 's like a christian uh terminology it's all like, oh, secular world i 'm so tired of this and I, and I always just keep every time I hear that th- this, this 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 scripture pops up in my head, you may know it john three sixteen for God so loved the world i 'm so sick of the world, for God so loved the world. I'm so sick of the world. For God so loved the world, I don't want to get to the place in Christianity where all we do is come to a pretty building with lights and great music, give each other a high five and a hug, and then go out and the whole world thinks we don't care about them. For God so loved the world, we exist to rescue people and teach people how to rescue other people. For God so loved the world that he gave his own son. So the, the shepherds are out there going about their secular work and all of a sudden, lo, the angel shows up in his glory and starts talking to them, they're afraid. In other words, number two, don't grow weary in well-doing because in due season you're going to reap. Well, don't you think that the angels were, I mean, the the shepherds were out there going, Man, I tell you, I am so sick and tired of sitting on this hillside staring at these same stupid sheep all day long. I'm not supposed to say stupid. Sorry, babe. Uh, These same silly sheep all day long. I am so sick and tired of messing with these sheep all day long. I am so sick of the secular world. I am so put out. By the secular world. You know, being put out with the world is like being mad at somebody from Italy uh, for speaking Italian. When you go to Italy, number two, you're going to do two things. You're going to have some good pizza. You're going to drink some good cappuccino. You're going to do three things. And you're going to hear people speak Italian. Pizza, cappuccino, and Italian. Italian. And nobody goes to Italy and goes, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're speaking so much Italian. I'm so sick of the Italian. That's because uh, Italians speak Italian. Can I say it this way? Sinners do one thing really well. Sinners sin. And I don't want a show of hands, but most of you were pretty stinking good at it before you met Jesus. But there's something about the ideology that now we know something that has separated us from the masses, which is true, but we were never uh, called to be frustrated by what the masses were doing. We are called to be a beacon of light to help lead the masses out of that nonsense. If they don't know we love them, how are they going to know He's the Savior? I saw one. I, saw, I read a thing one time. This, this is real powerful. Is this guy, he, he's sitting there preaching. He preaches this sermon, and this guy walks in. And he's he's dressed, you know, how he wants to dress, and uh, everybody else's suit and tie and everything. And, and the guy walks in. And he's chewing bubble gum. In church, we used to rent a church, and I love them. It's great. But one of the things that that, that that was told to me when we first moved in. They said, there'll be no bubble gum in this church. And I said, am I supposed to like stop preaching and go and, you know, I mean, what, what do you want me to do? And he goes, well, I'm just telling you, you're the pastor of your church. I'm like, bro, we got like no people. I'm the pastor of nobody right now. You're the pastor of your church. There's going to be no bubble gum in this building. I said, I can't promise you that. He said, he said, You can't promise me that? Is that low, the angel? <laughs> he, said, he said, You can't promise me that? I said, I can't promise you that nobody's going to pull out a, a stick of Wrigley's double mint gum and stick it in their mouth while I'm preaching. He said, Well, you can tell them to, to spit it out. I said, I tell you what. I said, You can sit in my church and you can watch them. I said, Or we'll just have to find someplace else because I'm not going to tell people they can't chew gum in church. He said, Okay. Well, I, I'm just asking you to do your best. I said, I'll do my best. <laughs> my best was to not worry about it. But anyway, <laughs> I heard a story one time. This guy comes in. He's dressed how he wants to dress. He's smacking gum. <laughs> and they get out of service, and they go to the lobby. And the, 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 a lady uh, waits, and, and turns out the guy's smacking his gum when, when the pastor at the end of the service asked if anybody wanted to meet Jesus and become a Christian, the guy gave his heart to Jesus. And, and after service, he, he goes out in the lobby, and I think he said it was a lady. It might have been a guy, but it doesn't matter. It was a lady out there, and the lady says, Pastor, I've got to talk to you about something. He says, okay. He said, did you see that guy dressed like that in church? And the pastor's thinking, yeah, praise God. Somebody that, you know, felt comfortable enough to come to the house of God. That's, that's a blessing. She said, yeah, I was dressed like that, and I can get over that. She said, but did you see what he was doing? And pastor, or did you see what he did? And the pastor was like, yeah. Saw him lift his hand and accept Jesus, praise God. She goes, yeah, that's not what I'm talking about. He was chewing gum in church. And the pastor looked at her and said, ma'am, I think you're mistaken. It was the church chewing the gum. The church is not a building. The church is not a place. The church is the body of Christ. Those who have been saved and rescued. And let me say this, we're all at different places in our relationship with Christ. There may be things that I do that, that, or I don't do because I'm not comfortable doing it, but somebody else who calls on the name of the Lord uh, is comfortable doing it. And maybe 10 years from now, they won't be. Or maybe there's something I'm comfortable doing, but you're so holy that you're not comfortable doing it. All I'm saying is we've got to get to the place in God where we recognize Jesus is not concerned with our mess. He's not intimidated by our mess. And God will speak to you and find you wherever you are. So don't grow weary in well-doing because in due season... You're going to read. Verse 10. And the angel, lo, said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior, which is Christ the Lord. Verse 12. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. You'll find the baby boy, you'll find the Christ, the Messiah, you'll find the anointed deliverer of all the people that have ever been born. You will find Christ the Savior, you will find the baby, you will find the Lord, you will find the Lord of glory laying in a feed trough. And this will be a sign unto you A sign is something that points you In the direction that you need to go A sign is something that will tell you What is to come A sign is something that tells you What is ahead So the angel says to the shepherds I know you're out here working And I'm glad you're working But today is a special day Because you're going to find The king of all kings Laying in a feed trough And it's going to be a sign unto you In other words it's going to be a foretelling of the future if you're driving uh, north on highway 6 you're going to see a sign that says Waco 50 miles Waco 30 miles because it's telling you what is next along the way it's telling you a bit of the future so the fact that Jesus was born in a stable laid in a manger reminds us that literally our mess does not intimidate him the fact that God goes and speaks to the shepherds who are doing secular work proves that we will reap if we don't find and number three if you're taking notes Jesus was laid in a food trough Because later on he would say I am the bread of life He said this is my body And then he said I want you to do this in remembrance of me When Jesus came into this world He was food for those who needed it When Jesus left this world He was food for those who needed it And he is still that bread of life today There is something about living for God that changes everything. There's something about living for God that changes every situation. And if you can get your mind around the signs, if you can, see, see, you don't have to see Waco to know Waco is coming if you see a sign. You don't have to see Kyle Field to know you're getting close to College Station if there's a sign that says College Station 20 miles. You see the sign and you believe what's on the way. Some of you, you have children that are far from God. You have grandchildren that are far from God. And what you want is them laying on their face at the altar of heaven. And they will before it's over. But I'm telling you, all you need is a sign. Because when you see just a little sign, you know something's going to change. You know something. He's not a man that he should lie. It's not like me telling you something. When you read this holy book, it is God Himself speaking into your ears. There is something that shifts when you choose to believe God. There is something that changes when you choose to believe God. Why are you so happy all the time? Because I get to go to heaven. Why are you so happy all the time? Because my whole family's going with me. Your whole family lives for God? Not right now. But they will. How do you know? I've seen the sign. I'm having dinner. I'm having lunch. So uh, how's that church going? Bing! That's a sign. You want to know about the house of God? I'll tell you about the house of God. So you got you got like a building and stuff. Yeah, but the building's not what's awesome. What's awesome is families are being restored. What's awesome is people are being healed. What's awesome is lives are being changed. What's awesome is people are being born again. 36, I think it was, they gave me the number. That, 36 people gave their heart to Jesus in this building in the month of November. You want to get me excited? Give me a sign. I don't need to see everything. I just need a sign. They said, Well, lay him in the manger. That'll be a sign unto you. The Bible says anybody who says yes to Jesus becomes a new creature in Christ. Uh, You may have done some things, you may have said some things, you may have done and said some things on the way to church today. can make you so new. None of the stench of your barn life, none of the mess of your situation can stick to you and hold you and grab you. When you find out what He is, He didn't ask you to be the way. He didn't ask you to be the truth. He certainly didn't ask you to be the life but He'll be all three for you. His love, gentleness, and compassion has no measure and has no end. This will be a sign for you guys. This will be a sign for you guys. This will be the the, the thing that, that, that you can look to and just have a little... Picture of what's ahead. Uh, for the sake of time, I'll just tell you the shepherds get up in the middle of the night. And they go find him and they worship Jesus. And then the Bible says they get up and they went and made known what they had seen and heard. Number four, if you're taking notes, tell somebody. What Jesus did for you. I know, I know, I know how it feels to feel like you don't have words when you're talking with somebody or dealing with somebody. I know how that feels. But you know what Jesus did for you. And they can argue your doctrine. They can argue your theology. They can even argue. Whether the Bible is true. Now, the Bible is true, but they can argue that. Nobody can argue what Jesus did for you. So you say, I, I, I know, I, I don't know all the prophecies, but what happened was I was sitting there and an angel showed up and told me about a baby in a feed trough. And I I know even that, it's hard to believe. But me and the other shepherds, we went and saw, and we found the baby in a feed, just like the angel said. You're just one of those holy rollers. I'm not saying I'm anything. I'm telling you, I was sitting in a field, and an angel showed up, told me there was a baby in a feed trough, and I went, and there was a baby in a feed trough. You're just, one, you're just pushing your, your belief system on me. I'm not pushing anything on you. I'm just telling you, I was sitting in a field. And an angel showed up, told me there was a baby in a feed trough. I went and looked, and there was a baby in a feed trough. Oh, you're just taking it too far. I'm not taking it too far. I'm telling you, I was a depressed Insecure, blonde-headed kid from East Texas. And now I'm not. Huh. Yeah. I'm, I'm not telling you you even have to know what Jeremiah 29, 11 says. I'm not telling you, you got to know that he created the world in six days and rested on the seventh. All that'll come. I'm not telling you, you got to be able to quote the 12 disciples and know the one that betrayed him. I'm not telling you, you even have to understand what I mean when I say valley of the shadow of death. Maybe you don't even know you're in death's shadow. But what I can tell you is he took insecurities. And he pulled him out. He took seasons of depression and was a security blanket in the middle of it. He took a completely unqualified person and has brought success in their life in immeasurable ways. So I... I'm not trying to tell you exactly where the cross was or exactly where His tomb was. What I'm telling you is He came right in the middle of my messy barn and helped me start to clean it up. And I'm just trying to make known to you the one who made himself known to me. Stand to your feet, please.